0: Today is the 27th day of November, 2014, and we begin a new series. Our first series was Sri Arbindo Ashram, The Early Years, and we continue with interviews of the elder ashramites. The second series, Interviews with Disciples and Devotees, is ongoing as well. The third series, Savitri Readings, is also current and we invite people who wish to read Savitri to come and share with us. Today (coughs) we begin a series, The Mother on Auroville, and our beloved Alok is with us this morning to speak on the Inner orville Welcome, Namaskar.
1: I think uh, the need for this subject comes up because very often we as human beings have a tendency to get too much tied to the external forms of forms and names of an institution and forget the inner reality. So when this happens then over a period of time everything has a tendency to become a religion, a cult and lose its the spirit that gave birth to it and Sri cautions us about this abundantly in the human cycle and other places. The Mother has spoken about it. One can literally make even a religion out of no religion. So this human mind, it's not, uh, that's how we are. We like to hold on to something very external. And the other side of this is that if things at the external level or the outer plane are not um, up to what we think they should be, to start with our own ideas, are very often thoughts of ignorance, which we uh, we, we think these candle lights are sunlights. <laughs> but nevertheless, we get distraught, we begin to lose hope, and we wonder what we should do or should not do, whether there is any truth at all. Because human mind begins to uh, look into the depths through the surface, and therefore what it sees is very vague hints and small glimpses and not the real thing. Mm. Whereas the true vision has to be from within outwards, from above downwards. It's like a top-down view and the within-outward view. So from that point of view, when we look at ashram itself and Auroville, we see a very interesting thing between the ashram and the Auroville. The ashram, it seems, as it were, has been an effort, initially at least, at creating the ground for precipitating the Gnostic individuals. And that's how the mother speaks of it, that for a long time everybody was an individual, cocooned, and humanity, representative humanity, was being prepared to grow into the Gnostic consciousness, the supramental consciousness, truth consciousness. And a point of time came, after the supramental descent, when the mother says, now, we can take the next part of the work and take this work to another level that not just Gnostic individuals scattered here and there, but a Gnostic community. So that's her first declaration openly about a Gnostic community is post-1956 when in 1958 or so, or perhaps 59, she speaks in one of her conversations in the ashram. So it has to be 58 because it was the last one. She says that there has to be now the need is being felt for a truly a communal life, not the communal life which uh, where people experience where they are all living within the same community, but are more or less isolated individuals, but a true communal life where the mother says each one carries within him the consciousness of the all and uh, thereby each one is not just connected with all superficially but in the very depths he holds all together so it's it's a very unique um, it's no more just that an individual is a representative of his type that is one kind of extension of the collective consciousness individual into the collective but there is another extension as it were wherein each individual carries within himself all and embraces all and therefore though he is an individual and his individuality is very much there but there is simultaneously within him also a kind of connection with the all which is much deeper at a much deeper level and there for the first time she declares that now uh, that is the need for uh, our collective meditations in the playground so that's how she started that now the meditations, uh, collective meditations in the playground where she says I am mixing everybody's consciousness Uh, so that everyone can come together and rise together. So it was a very unique uh, experiment. Its flip side was that individuals began to feel as if some of them who had really done uh, genuine, sincere sadhana, that suddenly as if the general consciousness has come down. But in fact, the general consciousness was going up. But the individual consciousness felt a kind of let down because they were sharing now. It's no more their own. Whatever they gain, everybody shares and this was true at an outer level but it became a inner truth because actually it starts from an inner truth and that's where we need to touch upon that what we call as will is an inner reality it is independent of all external creation just as we can also say that human unity is an inner reality whether we like it or not whatever way you know whatever differences which have come up through evolutionary process and that is very important because nature loves to create diversity in oneness but deep inside there is oneness if we can pass through the barriers then we will see that all of us for instance have a common origin all of us have common aspirations that's how the life divine starts human aspiration ends with divine life if we look into our aspirations all of us regardless of language, custom, education, literacy, differences of time and space, mm. those human beings who moved in the forest, the forest dwellers and the cave dwellers uh, maybe a million years back, of course modern science is probably a little more conservative 50,000 years back or the modern dwellers in the cave, city caves where you know we have houses which are like caves the basic aspiration is the same freedom light truth bliss love the sense of a secret immortality so this truth dwells within every human heart and everyone aspires for the same truth at the same time the sense of human unity has been there our we have a common origin we have a common uh, parentage so to say even at the most um, biological level we have a common parentage all of us regardless of being scattered in africa america or uh, you know asia we are born of the we have sprung out of the same animal consciousness and all of us carry that little animal dragging at our feet as an evolutionary drag at the same time as spiritual experience affirms all of us carry within us something which has descended from the heavens as it were the little seed of the divine within us and none is bereft of that. The mother in one of her prayers says it is because of this presence within every human being that it is possible even for the most cruel cruelty is the farthest from the divine to feel pity and have sympathy. Even the cruelest of human beings has a moment where he expresses you know the famous story about Hitler which is well known that how much he was attached to perhaps his cat and of course, he loved someone and loved with such a passion and so much. Um, so every human being has a little window. Now, this window obviously uh, is totally covered up and messed up because of outer nature. But there is a little glimpse of that rudimentary, even rudimentary, as Sri Aurobindo said in some people, that's essence, divine essence, which is at the core. There was a story of the Buddha.
0: Yes. And the man who was so evil. Yes, Angulimal. And-
1: who was chopping there are so many stories like that in indian thought one of them is the story of angulimal who was cutting you know people and then their finger he would wear a garland boasting about it i mean much worse than perhaps the isis people and yet when he comes face to face with buddha he undergoes a conversion and buddha uh, renames his as anand look at the you know <laughs> the man who is a killer a butcher cruelty takes joy and cruelty yet he can bring within himself uh, the delight of existence and harbour it so this the, the beauty of this creation is and what gives it hope is not the outer world and the appearance as we see it the hope comes because hidden within it is the divine consciousness and in the divine consciousness all are one mother at one place says the world is an objectivization of the Supreme. Now, so when he objectivizes, many, many space-time continuums are created and those worlds which are closest to the original divine vibration, they always remember the sense of oneness. Beautifully described in Savitri in House of the Spirit and the New Creation, it's Auroville, but the inner will, the true will and as it comes further and further away the energies multiply and they begin to clash with each other and they begin to uh, precipitate into a chaotic struggle just as if we go further up and up the atmosphere becomes subtler and rarer it is above the storms you know it's a very very thin layer of atmosphere where everything is flowing very smoothly that is the basis of our uh, much of our internet uh, connect- connectivity but as we come lower down we have these storms because the same atmosphere as it comes down there is a plate begins to interact criss cross and then right at the earth it precipitates into a chaotic thing so whenever we, we look at the outer appearances and we very often work only on the outer at the outward level uh, it leads to chaos that's where the story of the uh, the Tower of Babel comes, comes uh, you know handy that when we focus too much on the points of differences the language, the customs etc etc there is chaos and confusion but if we remember that there is an inner truth and all nature, outer nature is trying to express it and through various um, periods of time in various ways Uh, this truth has tried to manifest itself now even if the world were destroyed even if outwardly the form and name of a particular type is destroyed a particular effort is destroyed the inner truth is never destroyed now that's the saving grace for humanity just as for an individual the inner soul is not destroyed and it comes back so also for a collective experiment the soul is never destroyed of that particular experiment it will Take new form and new shape in times to come. Now here we see something very interesting coming in to start with. um, This inner truth is not only not destroyed. With each bouncing back it grows and evolves. It has learned from the experience and the experiment. So I look at it like this that just as an individual who does yoga or sadhana or an effort at self exceeding to put it very simply and perhaps more accurately. Uh, when he comes back again even though he has to start apparently afresh yet the memory of his past experience resides within him and it, it, is, it will now work out the same process much faster and in a much more surer way. Now Sri Aurobindo speaks even about the collective experiment of humanity in synthesis he says that the way that science is progressing and the human mind is moving at an accelerated pace some wonder why this is happening but there is another reason to it that we carry within us the memory of a previous bygone era which had collapsed into a pralaya and that's why because the memory is there it is rapidly being rediscovered so it's not a discovery it's a rediscovery many of the modern inventions are a rediscovery they were already there and we have that in the movie planet of the apes which you know kind of presages it that we have had such developments and we destroyed ourselves. So at one level we are hopefully wiser, it's bound to be, that whenever we are engaging in a new collective experiment of this kind, what today we call as Auroville, we have done this earlier. In Gnostic communities? Gnostic communities, in in the Sun Temple by Queen Hatshapurth, in many places, maybe in the Mayan civilization, we don't know. Not everything is documented, but such efforts have been there. And humanity has definitely grown wiser because the collective soul has grown. Now, the another, another reason why we, we can believe that humanity has grown wiser is because this is the time when for the first time, this experiment is being conducted directly under the supervision of the supernature normally nature picks up the seed of an idea of truth what Shubhendu calls is the real idea which is in the supermind it picks up and it tries to replicate it it's like an artist who is trying to replicate you know we just saw some beautiful pictures now you know there are beautiful pictures replications of you know what uh, Shubhendu and the mother look like and there are some very crude pictures but they are all attempts to replicate an inner reality Shorabinda and the mother are in inner reality and even their very body was not able to end the mother speaks about it that you know this body is a limitation and yet to an extent the whole effort was that even physical matter is able to bring out that inner reality of the mother and Shorabinda this is what they tried Uh, and I am sure they succeeded in their own way whether we have eyes or we develop it over a period of time that's a different question. So same way, every effort of humanity um, or nature has been to pick up a seed idea of a collective unity and manifest it. Now, there are some crude ways to manifest it. For instance, religious groupings. That's also a way to manifest human unity. But unfortunately, where the problem comes, my religion and me alone. So, individual ego becomes a collective ego. And the ego individual and collective, becomes a big barrier to this manifestation. Just as the individual ego becomes a barrier to manifest the soul impulsion. Because the ego always has preferences, wants things this way, that way, and therefore comes in the way of a direct and pure soul manifestation. There's a very nice little story which, uh, you know, uh, um, I was watching the other day. You know, in in our, um, uh, in Puranic legends. Kartike represents the psychic beings, Sri has spoken about it, the inner fire and once he has to fight a battle where his own maternal uncle is poised on the other side and he fights with a total detachment just as his Kartavyam Karma and he kills him but after that when he hears his own grandmother weep and feels sorry and miserable, he is also filled with anguish And he goes to Shiva and says, when I did the deed, it was so beautiful, I had no such thoughts, but what happens later, why am I filled with this sense of remorse? So Shiva says something very beautiful, he says, you know, when you did the deed, you were detached, but you could not detach yourself from the consequences that followed. It's something very amazing that it is not enough to remain detached during the deed. But we have to be detached from the consequences that are going to follow. There are a lot of people who come in a state of inner detachment and genuine aspirations towards the divine. But it has repercussions. It has repercussions on family. It has repercussions on surrounding the society. And they are not able to take those repercussions. So... This is a very complex movement that inner truth tries to manifest, but the ego comes in the way. Now, why we are not able to detach? Because the ego prefers certain things. Oh, by my actions, some people should be happy, Some nobody should be sad, etc., etc. So, same thing happens with a collective realization that the big barrier that comes in the way is not just the individual ego, but the collective ego the ego of being belonging to a certain race to a certain country to a certain nationality to a certain way of looking at life to a certain um, way of thought and if you really look at it one of the some of the first fight that took place within Auroville was basically this this at its root it was this that people couldn't understand each other's way of living each other's way of thinking and uh, they fought because each one thought his way is right and Things should be in a certain way. And the other person thought, no, my way is right. Each one understood freedom in their own way, just like the Tower of Babel. And therefore they would come to Mother, and uh, when we look at Mother's answer, they are very, very beautiful. Um, She gives space to everyone, at the same time makes it very clear, you know, that what she wants. So... All of these things we will
0: cover... Yes. uh, uh, ...in the coming months... uh, You must have... ...from uh, Mother's writings. Yes,
1: you must have, I'm sure... uh, Experience these things firsthand. But if we really look at the core of that uh, struggle, the fight, one of the th- main chief causes was that the groups which came, they didn't understand each other. They were so different, so diverse, and people lost hope. Whereas Sherbindu would tell us that it is the method of nature that it starts with a discordant note and ends with a greater harmony. So it had to start that way what else you expecting? and I feel because of that great event which took place in 1968 the effort of the inner truth of Auroville it started manifesting upon earth and what we call today as acculturation or transcultural movement so called globalization which has whatever the flip down side but also its other side I think is a result of Auroville. We, we may not see it directly in Auroville again very often people wonder because world over people see progress for instance in coming together of communities and they wonder why things are not so good where the experiment is going on whether it be ashram or Auroville anywhere so I have a different uh, take on this now the take is like this that in a tree where do you actually see uh, the beauty, you see it in the fruits and the flowers, there is a culmination point but That beauty and that taste in the fruit and the flower is the result of the roots which have gone deep inside the earth. Do not analyze the lotus. Do not analyze the lotus. And these roots are constantly busy sucking the sap and even from the waste they are busy taking out that which is life-giving. So Auroville and Ashram are roots because they are roots, the waste has to be fed there. They have to take it's the task. Everybody who joins the Shirvindo Ashram or joins Auroville, I feel should be very conscious that it's not a place where you showcase products, fruits, and flowers. <laughs> That's for the world. But here is the place where the waste of human nature, the darkness, the dingy soil. There, the roots have to work. Hold on to the earth while aspiring to the sky. The very, cru- very. The crucible of a new humanity. The crucible of humanity. And so, if you look for results here, you may not find it immediately. Because this is where the roots are. If you look for. If you go into the roots and say, where are the fruits and the flowers, you don't find it. And yet, the vibration is worldwide. It is transmitted. Yes. So, there is an Auroville which is deep within creation. The true auroville. Yeah. We have no name for it. Shravindar calls it the house of the spirit. Yeah. He calls it the new creation. And the new creation. Yes. And there are efforts of manifesting this, now for the sake of convenience we use the word or a will, of manifesting this inner reality of oneness, not just human oneness but oneness with creation. And this rea- effort has taken various forms and it is spread through... Centuries and centuries and millenniums of human effort. And finally, because this effort was through lower nature, therefore it was destined, it it was clumsy to start with and it was foredoomed to failure after a point of time. It did its good in its own time, even a religion which today is the cause of so much global destruction like Islam. In its origin, brotherhood of mankind and look at what happens over a period of time but its origin it was very nice that you know human beings are one and let's create brotherhood what beautiful impulse yet these were imperfect effects uh, efforts done by you know yogis who saw some glimpse but they didn't have the ultimate truth in their hand
0: when i was very young i read a lot of rudolf steiner yes and yes. near my home was Threefold farms, where they were actually practicing the biodynamic yes. research, and it was extraordinary. I know that Mother didn't say the best things about him, yes. but this work had repercussions all over the Absolutely.
1: world. Absolutely, and even even the uh, Mother didn't say that was in a certain context, and we yes. have to take yes. it in this way that when the divine uses certain terms, uh, whether it be Gods, titans, asuras, he is using these terms in a certain way and they get totally distorted in our own consciousness. So, if I don't like somebody or his ways, he's an asura. <laughs> so, uh, or if I find somebody very goody, goody, good mannered, very good in speech, we say he's a god. Now, you know, this is our distortion. But yes. actually, in the original sense, when Shurubindu was asked, and he said um, in the supramental state, the suras and the asuras are not opponents of each other; they represent the two side of the one reality, and this is there even in Savitri, yes. and we should read it someday where Shiva yes. says the left and the right hand of the body of God. Yeah. So one representing knowledge and the other force. But it is later on in the Puranas that we see suras as representing the bright, and asuras opposites. But in in the supramental state, they are not opposites, but complementary uh, modes of the one. And they are both necessary for the manifestation. Now, each one of these, when it comes into the lower manifestation, obviously receives the reality and tries to project it crudely. I think there's been so many efforts, but they are all ignorant efforts. And here the beauty and the saving grace and the uniqueness of the effort of will, because very often people ask so, so what many efforts have been done even Sikhism there is an effort so one more effort and foredoomed to failure but what we miss out upon is that while all these efforts have been won by while human beings still dwelt in the lower nature and it was done by uh, yogis who had a glimpse but not yet the full reality And that's why in in the Vedic communities, they had kept out. They, They were also secret communities. Ashramas were one of the first efforts at communal living. But they couldn't include all. And that was a great defect with which the ashramas suffered. Not only they couldn't include all, it was open only for some elite group of humanity.
0: Especially initiates.
1: Initiates. And who were the initiates? The Brahmins and the Kshatriyas. The Vaishyas and others had no entry because of course the logic was that they are not yet ready for this initiation and there would be chaos. And there are so many, you know, unless you are ready and uh, you get into a greater reality, there is chaos. There is another interesting story about it and yesterday only I was recalling this story in the sports ground. Such a beautiful atmosphere and you know, uh, everybody was rejoicing that look what mother has created and no doubt about it and then this story came to my mind that once the the titans go to shiva and say why, why you know everyone is partial against us so they are all partial in favor of the gods why can't we also live in swarga, heaven so shiva says ok you want to live in heaven yes so it's very simple i am going to create a special formation and he creates a special sibling and he says if you offer milk you can go straight into heaven he says as simple he says yes anything else we have to do nothing you just chant om namah shiva and that's enough now all the gods suddenly feel very insecure because they they know if shiva is created it will happen and sure enough all these titans just do this and start walking and they're rejoicing and the mother of the titans diti comes and says i knew that you are ashutosh the giver of all boons And uh, today I know for sure that you are the most impartial God ever. So he gives her hint that wait a sec, the final act is not yet over and the divine is always impartial. But you don't understand his ways. So this is okay, let's see. Now as they go, two things happen. Suddenly those beings of heaven, they become very insecure. What's going to happen? And the asura carry their own ways there and now want to possess the wealth which belongs to everybody. In heaven everything belongs to everybody. Just like Ashton and Auroville. But here uh, they feel no no what if tomorrow. So they go to an extreme extent and some, some group of them actually ends up stealing Kamdenu the giver of all bones. So they say let's keep this cow with us and we will become the most powerful and eventually there is a downfall the story follows and they are out and then Shiva gives this inner truth very beautifully you know heaven and hell are within us that the true um, and if this inner reality is not realized if you try outwardly ignorantly it will not work out so mere admittance to an ashram on Auroville is not enough it's very easy to get an admittance you You live there for I think few months, you fill up a form, Uh, something similar happens now in the ashram, Uh, you know, earlier mothers had the vision and she would say yes or no. Now you know there are many other factors which are bound to come, nobody's fault because human nature is like that. But it doesn't matter at one level, you may be right next to divine and if inwardly you have not worked upon, you will be miserable, there were people who were miserable. And even in paradise, you will begin to find faults and be unhappy and miserable. But that, that the other part, that's why the mother insisted so much that to create this Gnostic community, which the Auroville is, it's not so much externally, it's not so much about building roads and you know building things outside. Well, they are there, but most important is to build the inner being to free it from the clutches of the ego and repeatedly she reminded we want a race without the ego. Yes. And if this work is not done, the outer work will collapse like many previous effects. So there have to be at least a group of people who are working upon the ego. And I am sure there are people, at least I know here in Ashram and Auroville both. It may not be visible, they may not talk about it. They are working very quietly, subtly upon their ego and desires. And they are the real roots unseen roots, they are, they are facing an inner battle, and there is the external manifestation, the more people work within, the more it will express outside, so this is how it works from within outward, another difference is that for the first time we see, not nature, but super nature, what be though termed as Adi Shakti, she steps into the forefront, and she takes charge so mother not only took charge and simply spoke about forming a Gnostic community with some do's and don'ts in fact she gave utter freedom and she allowed she gave a kind of a plan in great detail allowing humanity to execute it naturally they will have their own limitation but to work it out through a process of time so this is a big difference because this time at the material level and at every level uh, it is the Divine Mother herself who has stepped out and not just ignorant nature and from behind the veil the working is going on and the third and most important factor and that's where we see the difference even in the Vedic efforts and today's efforts that we have the supramental truth consciousness Yes. and that was not available so all these efforts were foredoomed to failure yet they were necessary to keep the ball moving in a relay race who wins at one level we may say the last man who ran but actually everybody wins even though they stopped so it's the whole collective effort of mankind which finds culmination in Auroville and uh, uh, most importantly and that's something very very unique about Mother and Sri window, and very difficult for many persons to understand this time they have included in their in, in their great uh, supramental boat the noah's ark uh, every specimen of humanity a big difference from the vedic schools of gnostic community where only certain type of humanity elite were accepted yeah. but here this time they have brought in their the letters of shubhintha i think one of them written to um, eleanor montgomery. montgomery yeah when she was going to come and she says this ashram is a lab as X puts it this long letter, this is the last part of the letter and there he says that all kinds of people had to be brought here so that the problem of humanity is variously represented so if they were left outside in ancient communities this was the big problem and therefore they could never include because the same problem would come up like Shiva they go into heaven and they end up making it a hell but now they could do it because the ultimate power, the ultimate truth they had with them. So they could do it. In Ashram, some great yogi, I forget his name, was asked by someone that, um, you know, here we have so much segregation, men, women, all these kind of things. But in Shirobindo Ashram, there is no such thing. There is so much freedom. How do they manage it? What are, what are your thoughts? So you have a very beautiful answer. He says, "You know that's because they are divine, so they can handle it. Anywhere else it would collapse. So I think it's very important to remember, and I think it will be to the big detriment of Oroville in its formation, if this central truth is forgotten, that Oroville is the mother's creation.
0: And it is the divine who is building divine it. Divine who is building it.
1: And I think this is a very small thing. Looks like, oh yes, we know it. Yeah. But we forget it. Yeah. The moment we believe we are building our will, gone. Yeah. Yeah. The moment we believe we are doing sadhana, gone. But if you remember that it is the mother, divine mother's creation, she is building our will. And it doesn't matter how many efforts, how many things come up, come and go, she will build it because she is bound to realize yes. and one last thing which is very important why do why have past efforts uh, finished apart from these three causes which I have just listed that the supermind was not there and it was working through nature even though the yogi had glimpsed it he had not yet realized fully and the effort was through lower nature so it became a religion or a cult or sect uh, apart from these uh, these things it 's very important to understand that this time uh, these efforts failed. One reason was that they they became too rigid and they didn 't have the plasticity to evolve yeah. and that 's why institutions finish. This is a big big problem in every institution, as you slides crystallize, formalize and Sri pointed out that when he said, you know uh, building a church over the body of Christ and it happens everywhere now the truth that they bring is vast, infinite free we have to hold to that truth and it will manifest in infinite ways, so there has to be so much plasticity and wideness in the consciousness and that Mother and Shobindo repeatedly said, in fact, two essential conditions, Mother said, you know, for the supramental creation, she said they were not moral and ascetic qualities. And people were shocked. What is Mother speaking about? So, what is needed? She said, wideness, plasticity, and immobility. What a So inwardly we have to be wide and be plastic to flow with the evolving current. Auroville, Ashram also, they are not finished product. We make a big mistake of believing they are finished product. And now we have to just live in that city, maybe keep on doing little bit tinkering, make another cottage here and this thing. They are not finished product. The day something is a finished product, that means its day is over. (laughs) That's what happens. The day human beings believe that they have stopped progressing, Mother says, (laughs) then death comes at the doorstep. So we say, why have you come, sir? Death says, well, you said you have finished. (laughs) You said you are a finished product. So finished product is to now, you know, it will have a little more life and then it's gone. So Auroville is a city in evolution. And that's where something very interesting comes, which Mother mentioned, that it is a place in transition and she said something very powerful there we would like to have a whole country if we look at her vision it's amazing she she, she has a vision of many things and then she says well for that we would need a whole country <laughs> at least a small country but since we can't have that at our disposal we we have to be content with a small plot of land and then she says Well, it means that it is something in transition. These words, pregnant with meaning at several levels. It is a start and not the end. Same thing happens with the ashram. Many people believe it's the end. It's the beginning. A small beginning. A camp of God pitched in human time. And a palace has to, and a palace with orchards and gardens, it has to spring up. So, this aura will is the first effort at manifesting the inner truth by the Divine Mother Herself. And now this Auroville is no more confined only to a geographical space and time. It is spread everywhere and lives in the heart of humanity. Wherever there is an aspiration towards unity and oneness, not just human unity because that can become another collective ego, but oneness with creation. Connectedness with everything, that concept is also coming up. Wherever human beings look to the beyond and aspire for becoming more and more its channels, instruments, something greater, something higher, something more beautiful. Wherever there is an effort at humanity towards self-exceeding, their aura will exists. And their Aura will is manifesting. Maybe in a small family, maybe in a little bit relationship. Maybe just isolated individual sitting on a mountaintop, we don't know, as Sherinndo says, creates French Revolution. Yeah. So there aura will exist, and that reality is bound to grow and bound to manifest, because the decisive turn has been taken, and will the inner auro will is bound to manifest. But if we can evolve the structures, as human consciousness evolves, the better it is the name of the school the mother gave just one last thing when mother was asked to give name for the school she said the last school and I think we have opened a couple of schools after that (laughs) that's (laughs) how human beings are the last school (laughs) fed up of all this (laughs) do something new something more consistent universal education find a way and means and it can be done if humanity wants it can be done but we still go back to the structures, the frames. Yeah. We cannot become free. We feel comfortable in those comfort zones. And I think to step out of the ego is to step out of all these comfort zones, individually and collectively, in which we entrench ourselves. And to end with what Nolida once said, that there is an inner ashram and there is an outer ashram. And there are some who are part of the inner ashram, but not necessarily in the outer ashram. And vice versa. We know mother spoke about the supramental boat. And she said, some of them I recognize who are here. And there are some whom outwardly she she does not know. But they are there. Obviously they were there in the boat. So we may equally say that merely being a resident of Horovil or ashram is not the real thing. The real thing is to carry Oroville yes. and ashram inside the heart, and then wherever we go, the ashram and Oroville will be there. Wonderful. I think these are just some thoughts thought of sharing.
0: We are now going to read the charter of Oroville in English, Sanskrit and Russian. And in this series, in the future. Hopefully, we'll cover all of the 16 languages that were read February 28th, 1968. 28 to 1968. Oroville Charter. Oroville belongs to nobody in particular. Oroville belongs to humanity. As a whole. But to live in Oroville, one must be the willing servitor of the divine consciousness. Oroville will be the place of an unending education, of constant progress, and a youth that never ages. Oroville wants to be the bridge. Between the past and the future. Taking advantage of all discoveries from without and from within, Oroville will boldly spring toward future realizations. Oroville will be a site of material and spiritual researches for a living embodiment of an actual human unity, the Mother.
1: Sanskrit Athais Farbari Unniso so Arsat vil, Nagar Shashanam Ekam न कौपी विशिष्टः ओरोविल नगरस्य स्वामी भवंति ओरोविल नगरस्य स्वामी समग्र मानवकुलम किंतु ओरोविल नगरवासार्थं देवचैतन्यस्य स्वचंद्र सेवके न भविताव्यम् द्वितीय ओरोविल नगरम निरवधि शिक्षाया नित्याभ्युद्येष्य निर्जर यवनश्य च आयतनं भविष्यति तृतीय ओरोविल नगरम भूत भव्ययो सेतु तात्मत्मना इहते बाहिय अभ्यन तरह सर्वा विश्क्रती नांग लाभयाही ओरोविल नगरम भव्यान भूतिर साहसेनो त्यति भविष्यति चतुर्था ओरोविल नगरम क्रत्यक्षी क्रत् मानुष्य कष्य सजीव मूर्ती धारनाय क्रियमानान आधिभोतिक आध्यात्मिक सत्यान यत्नानां स्थलम भविष्यति श्री माता
2: Хартия Ауравиля. Ауравиль не принадлежит никому в частности. Ауравиль принадлежит всему человечеству в целом. Но чтобы жить в Ауравиле, нужно быть добровольным служителем божественного сознания. Ауравиль будет местом постоянного образования, непрерывного прогресса и неувядающей юности. Ауравиль желает стать мостом между прошлым и будущим. Используя все открытия, как внешние, так и внутренние, ауравиль отважно стремится к будущим свершениям. Ауравиль будет местом исследований материальных и духовных, направленных к живому воплощению реального человеческого единства. Мать